calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello and welcome to this episode of Take 15. I'm Lauren Foster, Content Director at CFA Institute, and joining me today is Michael Finker. Michael is Professor and Director of Retirement Planning and Living in the Personal Financial Planning Department at Texas Tech University. Welcome, Professor Finker. Thanks Thank for you. being here. Thank you. So your presentation discusses a number of new trends in longevity and that can have an impact on retirement planning. Why is longevity such an important issue for retirement planning? Well, longevity is important for a number of reasons. In retirement, we don't have a definite time period. During our working life, say if we have a 45-year-old client, we can plan perhaps on a 20-year time horizon for saving for retirement. But spending in retirement, we don't have a definite time horizon. So many advisors may plan, for example, on a 20- or a 30-year time horizon. But how realistic is that actually? Um, the other important aspect of longevity is that we tend to go through different life cycles in retirement. We tend to change as we get older, especially when we hit advanced age. We have different types of risks and different types of lifestyle issues when we hit later life. So the first thing I talk about is how likely is it that we're actually going to make it into later life? How likely is it that we're going to make it to the age of 95? Well, the new Society of Actuaries Tables tells us that uh, for a couple at age 65 that buys an annuity, and higher income households tend to buy annuities these days, uh, they have about a 43% chance that one of them is going to hit age 95. So that means that if you have a 30-year time horizon for a 65-year-old retired couple, um, then there's a 43 chance that you're going to live, one of them is going to live beyond that time horizon. So longevity is becoming an increasing risk. And one of the trends that we see these days is that uh, higher income households are in fact living longer than lower income households. They've gained about five years over the last two and a half decades. Um, and most clients of advisors tend to be those who are in the higher income or higher wealth brackets that are probably going to live longer and be at greater risk of having to deal with some of these later life issues. Okay. You did a lot of uh, research on retirement living and there's this age old question of you know, so does money make you happy? So what do you think makes for successful retirement? I guess we'll put another way, um, what makes retirees happy? Well, I mean, the first news is good news, I guess, for those who are planners and those who, who tend to set aside some money for retirement. Money does make people happier, uh, but up to a point, up to about three and a half million dollars of investable assets, money does make you happier. But after that point, actually, it becomes a bit of a burden. And that relates to this idea of spending in retirement. If you have more money than you're ever realistically going to be able to spend in retirement, then essentially managing that money becomes an added burden that's part of your retirement life cycle. So what makes people happy in retirement? What we're finding is that, uh, a lot of the activities that we that gave us fulfillment in our working life are the same types of activities that give us fulfillment later on in life. 
Uh, and that is social interaction tends to be one of the strongest predictors of life satisfaction. So when we're thinking about building a retirement plan, not only are we building a plan so that we don't run out of money, but a plan so that we actually get the most out of that money. So how do we build a lifestyle that's going to give us the highest likelihood that we're going to have a satisfying retirement? And oftentimes couples, um, when they, they are used to working, have a difficult time transitioning to that lifestyle in retirement. And some advisors these days are recommending to their clients that they actually book a lot of their vacation for a month and uh, just take a month and pr practice being retired. See what it's like and, and get an idea of what some of the problems May, that, what, the, what are the problems that may occur in a relationship when you both have to be around the house for 24 hours a day? I mean, most, most people say that they're, they're married for, for uh, breakfast and dinner, but not necessarily for lunch. And there can be in relationship issues that, that crop up uh, because of expectations about spending time with, with each partner. Um, these are the kind of things that I think most financial, um, most of us who are, who are financially inclined don't necessarily give a whole lot of thought to but you've got to do something in retirement. So what, it, what is it that you're going to do? And the other aspect that I think is very important to consider is housing. Mm -hmm. So we, we know that those who live in their own homes do tend to be happier early on in retirement, but there is an inflection point. There is a point at which renters are actually happier than homeowners, and that, that point occurs at about age 80 or so. And age 80 seems to be a really important transition point where we start to experience significant uh, cognitive and physical declines that make it much easier for us to live in a managed type of living environment. Going back to the sort of topic of money, it seems that running out of money is a big risk for retirees, but you also point out that um, not spending enough in retirement is a problem. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, the, the, what we're seeing from the data is that we, we have a lot of people who have saved a lot of money for retirement. There's a lot of people who maybe haven't saved enough, um, but in the top quintile of savers, uh, what we see is that when they hit retirement, very often they don't even spend their income, mm. which means that they end up actually accumulating more and more money over retirement. But if you ask them, is it very important for you to give money to your heirs, they'll tell you, no, that's not, that's not my, my main priority. So it's important with that group to encourage them to be able to spend rationally. Now that can be very difficult because people who are used to, and I give the analogy of the grasshoppers and the ants in my presentation, you know, people who are ants have been saving their whole life. Uh, just like the ant in the story that saves for the winter and the grasshopper that doesn't. Well, when you've saved, when you've gotten into the habit of thrift over your entire life and you get to retirement, it becomes very difficult for those same people to then spend down their ass assets because it makes them feel as if they're turning into a grasshopper at retirement. When in fact, that's the rational thing to do. I mean, the, the reason that you saved all that money your whole life was for something. I mean, you gave up vacations, you gave up a, bit, uh, a nicer house, you know, you, you, there, there's lots of sacrifices that are made over the life, lifetime in order to accumulate um, is then part of the process in retirement, accumulating and then decumulating so that you can get the most out of the money that you have. So we do see that people who have more wealth do spend a little bit more in retirement than those who have less wealth, but not as much as you would expect. Um, so it's, it's important to give some thought to giving yourself license to spend the money that you've saved 
And one of the things that I look into is, is whether people who have more annuitized income do tend to spend more. And we do see some evidence that if you annuitize a portion of your retirement wealth, that you, you feel like it's okay to spend that money because you're getting a regular paycheck. It's just a, it's, it's about mental framing. How do, you, how do you see that money? Is it okay to spend it? Uh, so another to uh, important topic and something we don't talk much about is dementia. And this ha can have huge impact on your managing your money. What do, should advisors do if they suspect that a client has dementia, what kind of impact does that have? And I, I think it's very important to build a plan for cognitive decline in later life. If you look at the statistics, um, it's, it's undeniable that cognitive abilities do decline, and it's not just those that get Alzheimer's. Uh, we all are going to experience cognitive decline as a part of getting into advanced age. Um, and oftentimes when we do experience cognitive decline, we don't really recognize that it's happening ourselves. The analogy is, is the older driver who often doesn't realize that they're losing their driver skills, but it's obvious to everybody else. And the same thing is going to happen to us. And it's very important to acknowledge that relatively early on in the retirement planning process and then develop a plan for what you'll do, what the advisor will do when they start seeing that there's evidence that you may be making some financial mistakes. And we do see that as people experience cognitive decline, that may be one of the major risks to their wealth later on in life. Not even so much a market risk, but the risk of dementia. And, and by the time you hit age 85 and above, 30% of retirees will be experiencing either clinical dementia or significant cognitive decline. Significant enough that it's going to impair your ability to make financial decisions. It's one of the reasons why later on in life it's so important to have someone that you can trust as a fiduciary who is going to manage your finances in the event that you're no longer capable of doing it. Um, and, and one of the, the easy strategies is to automate as much as possible your income later on in life or you are able to delegate them to somebody that you trust. Okay. So in closing, I'd like to sort of zoom out a little bit. Um, we hear a lot about an impending retirement crisis in, in America. Do you think that we're on the brink of a disaster? Um, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of people, especially in the middle class, um, who are going to, who haven't saved enough for retirement. And there's a lot of people, frankly, who have saved less than $50,000 for retirement in their 401k. Um, mainly in that middle class group, it's going to be a problem because they're not going to be able to match their income during their working years with Social Security. Um, but to me, the, the biggest crisis is going to be uh, later on in life because uh, we haven't figured out later life um, long-term care expense, how we're going to solve that problem as a society. Um, are private sector solutions adequate for everybody? They're not really frequently enough used enough for it not to be a crisis. Uh, so I think what we're going to see is, and also longevity. I mean, we, that's the 401k system does not involve a very good solution for protecting against running out of money. And so that's another thing. We're moving in that direction, but in order to prevent that crisis, we need to solve later life income and we need to solve later life health expenses. That was a great insight, Professor Finker. Thank you for joining us. Thank and, you. And uh, thank you for watching. Copyright 2015 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.